the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Fellow redeemed, throughout these first three Sundays of Lent, we've been confronted with the truth that there's a spiritual battle going on around us. A battle with Satan and his demons. Despite the fact we can't see it with our eyes, Satan and his demons roam around seeking to lead individuals away from God and from his life-giving word. We're confronted with this truth on the first Sunday in Lent as uh, Satan spoke a different word, a lying word to Adam and Eve in order to lead them into sin and into death. Last Sunday, we heard that a demon had possessed a Canaanite woman's daughter. Now, we're not told of the effects that it had on the girl, but we know that it was awful enough to drive this Gentile mother to Jesus for help, for healing. And now this Sunday, this third week in Lent, the gospel places before us a man who is mute. He's unable to speak. And the reason for this is because he's under the possession of a a demon. And who knows how long this man had been this way? Who knows how long he had been trying to shout out for help, but was unable to because he was overpowered by one stronger than he. In the clutches of this spiritual enemy, Jesus comes to help this man. And in mercy, Jesus cast the demon out of him. To this incredible miracle, the people marveled. Yet not all of them did. Not all who witnessed this exorcism rejoiced at what Jesus did. In their hatred of Jesus, some men accused Jesus of being in league with Satan and his demons. He casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, they declare. However, this charge against Jesus is ridiculous. If Jesus were in league with Satan, he wouldn't be attacking Satan and his servants. This is what Jesus says. Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. Satan also is divided against himself. How will his kingdom stand? If Jesus isn't on the side of Satan, then clearly he's on the side of God. For there are two and only two kingdoms. The kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of God. And if Jesus casts out demons by the finger of God, then he's the new and greater prophet like Moses, who brings with him the kingdom of God. To further highlight this proclamation of the kingdom's present, Jesus places before them two parables. The first, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides the spoil. Whoever's not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. 
Now, in hearing these words, there's the temptation for us to believe that we're the strong man. None of us like seeing ourselves as weak and and helpless, and so we see ourselves as the strong man. And yet, you're not the strong man. And guess what? You're neither the the stronger man, and neither are you the strong man. You are simply the goods in the household. The reason for this is that conceived and born in sin, you were in bondage, held captive in the kingdom of Satan, the palace of the strong man. So you're not stronger than Satan. He's stronger than you. And should you try to escape, he'll quickly overpower you. You're like this demon-possessed man in the gospel this morning. No matter how hard you try to escape the strong man's grasp, you simply cannot do it. You don't have the ability to do so. And to this deplorable and hopeless condition that you were born into, Jesus, the stronger one, launches an all-out attack against Satan's kingdom. He's not content to leave you in the house of the strong man. He alone is able to break you free, to wrest you from the strong man. And you know how he does it? It's through his death on the cross. While it appears as if Jesus lost the battle in his death, his heel was only bruised, to use the words of Genesis 3. It's on the cross where Jesus crushed the lying head of the strong man, Satan. Three days later, the stronger man, Jesus, descends into the strong man's kingdom to proclaim his victory over sin and death and Satan himself. Why do you think it is that we confess he descended into hell? He's proclaiming his victory over Satan. And through the waters of holy baptism, the Lord ripped you away from Satan. He plundered you away from the strong man's grasp. Through this washing and rebirth of the Holy Spirit, you are placed into the kingdom of God. Christ sets you as one of his beloved children and bids you to dwell in his house. He speaks his words of comfort, of forgiveness of sins, to comfort you with the joy and hope of life and the resurrection from the dead. He feeds you with His very body and blood, which brings with it God's grace and Spirit and all His gifts. Gifts of protection, defense, power against death, the devil, and every trouble. So, everything's good, right? You've been baptized. And maybe you've been confirmed as well. You're good to go, right? That's all you need. You're free to go about your life without a care and concern for Satan and his demons, right? While Jesus has, in fact, won the victory through his crucifixion and glorious resurrection from the dead, the battle lingers on until Christ appears again in glory revealing to all that he has in fact won the victory. 
Consider the second part of this morning's parable. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and finding none. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, I find the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. Having been driven out in the waters of holy baptism, Satan knows better than to fight where he knows he'll lose. He can't withstand your baptism. For it's nothing less than the almighty power of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He can't withstand God's word. So what does Satan do? Well, he simply bides his time. He waits. Satan isn't omniscient, all-knowing like God is. He's not almighty like God is. However, he knows an opportunity when he sees one. He notices that while you've been baptized, you don't daily repent of your sins. He notices when you conform to the standards of success established by the world around you. He notices when you no longer walk as a child of light, but indulge in the passions of the sinful flesh. He notices when you're not abiding in God's word, only reading and studying it every now and then or possibly never. He notices when you neglect the proclamation of the gospel in order to make a little bit more money. He notices when you only come to church and Bible studies and Sunday school when it's convenient for you, when it fits within your schedule and your sports schedule, your work schedule, your sports schedule. Satan is watching. He notices when the house of your soul has been swept clean that is void of Christ and his life-giving word. When the house of your soul is void of Christ and his word, Satan returns with even more force and more strength. It goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. The state of the Christian soul, the one who has fallen away from the faith, is worse than it was before he became a Christian. The one who neglects God's word for the love of anything else is the one who opens the door for every evil spirit to invade and take over his life. Neglect, despising, boredom with God's life-giving word is just what Satan and his demons need to capture a person's soul and to take it down to hell and death. Fellow redeemed, repent. Repent of your apathy, your laziness, your indifference to the holy things of God. In a world where Satan and his demons roam, seeking someone to devour, there are no empty houses. There's no neutrality You are either in the kingdom of God or in the kingdom of Satan. You're either with the stronger man, Jesus, 
or you are against him. So what do you want? More money or greater knowledge of God's word? What do you want? Greater respectability by your neighbors or deeper love of God's promises? What do you want? A neat and tidy life in which you're the center of the world or a cluttered life with God's love flowing through you to others? What do you want? A life of satisfying the desires of your flesh for more stuff, more power, more praise, more glory? Or a daily dying and rising by your own, by your baptism, drowning your sinful flesh in Christ's blood? What do you want? A life of spiritual ease in which your conscience is at peace because it's dead? Or a life of struggle lived under the suffering and the shelter of the cross where all of your sins are washed away? What do you want? Jesus said, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This was in response to the woman in the crowd who raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you in the breast at which you nursed. Having borne the eternal Son of God, Mary was certainly blessed. And yet even more so, more than her, Jesus reveals the one who is blessed is the one who hears the word of God and keeps it. Now to keep God's word doesn't simply mean to know about it and agree with it. To keep God's word means to believe it, to depend on it, to guard it throughout your entire life. It means keeping it close at all times, setting your eyes on that which is unseen, and yet is promised through the blood of Christ. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life, as Solomon writes in his Proverbs. Keep watch on God's word so that you don't give the opportunity to the strong man and his minions. They won't rest until they find a soul to bring into their kingdom of death. And yet, in the midst of this battle, we have the sure and certain confidence that in the face of these attacks, attacks, they're silenced. They're silenced by the word of God. For it is the power of God until salvation. Having been defeated, Satan must yield to the word of the stronger one. That is Jesus. In the word of his gospel, which declares you righteous before God, that Christ has shed his blood to conquer the devil and all the forces who seek to undermine his word. In that word is God's promise to protect you. His baptized child from the evil forces of the strong man's kingdom. Fellow redeemed, God is faithful. He will keep his promise. So keep, defend, guard his word. 
or blessed are those who do. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.